I'll be introducing a contemplation that is um, both immediately accessible and also can be very subtle, not so accessible. Kind of works different ways, different times, different people. So I think it would help before I introduce the contemplation to just say a little bit about as practice moves forward on retreat, and uh, how to be skillful in your practice. We talked about being skillful in how you use the meditation instructions. If the mind is agitated, you might engage more with relax. If speaking is happening very quickly or you see a lot of identification in yourself, might bring the pause forward more. Or if your partner is moving really quickly, you, you might find the mind can't quite keep up because you're a little, you know, either calmer or slower or just in a different space. And you might sometimes need to request a pause for your own settling of the mind. how practice can be very internal, like two individuals sitting there. And the guideline open can be invoked to re-engage relationally and explore the space between, and so on. But there's also, you know, uh, you've noticed different quality of practice with each different person. And if you practiced with that same person at another time, it would also probably be different. As mind states change, concentration comes and goes, maybe you didn't have such a settled sit in the morning or didn't sit at all, and so that affects how you are with others, or the person you're with, likewise, you know, same thing. If they didn't sit and they're a little more agitated, then how do you be with them with, with the skill in your own practice? So there's a simple mm, framework that might help. If both meditators in a dyad, or all the meditators in a group of three or four or so on, are tending towards agitation, identification, mundane speech, pleasant conversation, in short, not really meditating, but, you know, chatting, then practice is kind of you know, that's where it's going to be. It might be a nice conversation, might not be a nice conversation, but it could just as well happen at Starbucks. 
but it may be that one meditator is really settled and the other not only settled but bright and aware and the other is not. So the one who's kind of identified doesn't mean that you can't be agitated but you're kind of lost in, you know, in the mind's fabrications. Contemplation doesn't really come forward with any clarity or what have you. So if someone is diligent and settled in their practice and their partner is not, the person who is settled and diligent in their practice, has been guarding their practice, has an excellent opportunity to develop the qualities of mindfulness and calm concentration, spaciousness, flexibility of emergence, and so on, in the face of the uh, worldly stirring. And that's very much like it is at home. People are often identified, chatty, not really present. That's just how it is most of the time. So here you are with the protection of retreat, with all your practice behind you, and someone's basically freely giving you an opportunity to develop a real integration of practice. You see what I'm saying? They're like making it possible for you to up your game in steadiness in the face of agitation. So it's a strange gift. It may not be what you want. You may want to drop down in deep and all this kind of thing, but that may not be what you get. Okay? And it may be that two people come together and both of them have been diligently guarding their practice. Both of them, let's say, in that particular moment, practice just happens to be strong and ripe, you know, for whatever reason. Either because of a long background or just a good morning or the ripening of conditions or who's to say? But it's just like that. In such a situation, the mindfulness in each person, bright, strong, steady, natural, the calm, concentration, tranquility, smooth, receptivity, internally receptivity to the other, the spaciousness, the relational quality, very well established, easy and open and the sense of being in the emergence, the mind not clinging, so when the contemplation comes in, it moves as it needs to move through you and between you, or among you if it's a larger group. And listening deeply speak the truth is really held in a kind of a, almost a holiness, you know, not preciousness like, like it's fragile or something like that, but uh, just in the sense of the opportunity that it is by both of you. And in such a situation, when you bring your practice forward and you're met, that's where the kind of diving down into this moment of suchness is possible in a profound way between you.
supported by the power of relational practice. And something may let go, some insight may arise. And this too, of course, is very beautiful. And while practicing with the good practice, diligent practice, with another who is agitated helps with the integration. This kind of both of you really landing in the moment is, you know, really a direct input to the liberative process. So a lot of possibilities and we can never really say, oh, I had a lousy partner, it was lousy practice. It's always possible to be good practice. Always. That's kind of the message. It may not be the kind you want, but that's just as, you know, how it goes. It's just good to know that. So now about that contemplation. I'm going to invite you to explore unbinding. To explore cessation of hunger. To explore what is sometimes called freedom or waking up. And before I get more specific, kind of offering a more precise, let's say, or directive or suggestive wisdom teaching, I really want to give you the chance with your partner to just explore it yourselves you know that we've talked about the diminishing of hunger. Why is that such a big deal? Why might it be such a big deal? Why did the Buddha name the cessation of hunger as the cessation of suffering as the third noble truth? That's a big deal for him anyway. I don't know if it is for you. Or all these different sages talk about liberation or freedom in their language. What is that? What is this human possibility? When you pause and there's mindfulness in the pause and you're in the emergence, you're in you, this question of what is cessation, what is unbinding, what is freedom is moving through you and you're in the emergence of that, what can be known? What do you intuit? Sense, feel. I'd like to invite you to kind of let go what you believe, you know, the conceptual, theoretical, theological, religious, all your training, all that you know about I don't know, Buddhism or yoga or something. Let it go. Just let yourself sense into it. And if when you sense into it, you say, it's a lot of hooey, well, maybe that's the truth. 
to be spoken. I don't know. There's no such thing. I don't know. But maybe there is such a thing as suffering and less suffering. How about that? Less suffering? A lot of people pay a lot of money to have less suffering. They see therapists. They go on vacation. And then there's all the other ways of not having genuinely less suffering, but just sort of smearing over the pain with some other pleasure. That happens a lot. So see for yourself. Sense into it, which means really giving liberally of pause and relax, and I would suggest open. What can be known? Perhaps now you would explore this specific understanding or this aspect, perhaps, is better to, way to put it, of the cessation of suffering or of freedom in that frame. But rather than just talk about the complete ending of hunger, of thirst, of craving. Perhaps you can touch where in your life really, actually, the craving has diminished. Where the urge to escape might actually be a little less than it was two days ago, two years ago, two decades ago. Where the press to assert yourself into the world and be seen a certain way and form images and become something and pour yourself into the me that would get validated by the world, by yourself even, is maybe a little less now than two days ago, two years ago, two decades ago. Or perhaps the urgent search for pleasures and stimulations was somehow diminished or released or found to be not quite so fulfilling and began to be let go. 
maybe just a little bit more than two days ago, two years ago, two decades ago. So in the pause, this is, this is not about cessation in some general conceptual way. It's as it's actually manifested in your life. And there may be plenty of places where you could find that it hasn't. That's not the focus. Where has it diminished? And what's the experience of it? Is that something wholesome and positive in your experience? Is it worthy of valuing, protecting, or honoring? In the true spirit of the way the Buddha taught, see for yourself what's actual. Inviting one to come see. What's known in the pause. There's another aspect of what might come under this freedom or awakening or whatever it is that I'm going to invite you to contemplate as you walk, just on your own in silence. Because it's a moment-to-moment thing that I'm talking about, where the hungers are these, you might say, life patterns of the organism. The moment by moment that can be seen here and now is how we react to the pleasant and the unpleasant and that which is neutral, neither pleasant nor unpleasant. And so as you walk, whatever is seen, whatever is heard, as you go to the bathroom, whatever it's like in there, as you drink, as you sit quietly, as thoughts arise and vanish, and other things touch awareness. Where do you notice pulling towards and wanting and holding on, or just not, not holding on, not pulling towards, meeting it with balance and simplicity? Where do you see that? Where do you see when something unpleasant comes up, a thought you don't like, a noisy truck, 
someone walking by bumps into you, uh, you're not first in line for the bathroom. What is the experience of the mind when the external conditions are unpleasant? Is there a pushing away, aversion, a kind of a little anger, hatred kind of thing going on? Not against necessarily people, maybe, but maybe not. Just, oh, don't like, push away. Or is there just an unpleasant contact and this is received and allowed just as it is? And maybe, in fact, there's a response that can even be classified as kind or something like that, really accepting and kind, maybe, even of the noisy truck. And here is a very subtle one for you. When something is neither pleasant nor unpleasant, the mind tends to turn off, just doesn't notice. And this not noticing brings with it a kind of a dull indifference. But can there be, in the face of the neutral, a continued interest in wakefulness in the unfolding of the moment? Does it always have to be stimulating to get your attention? Does it always have to grab you with attraction or aversion for you to be awake to it? The sensations of the body that we just don't you know, notice, the sounds we don't notice, the sights we don't notice. We might notice the beautiful flower and all those poor leaves are just hungering for attention. But it's true of people, too, you know. The aversive ones get the attention. The lovely ones get the attention. Everyone else, if they have no purpose in your life, they get ignored. Hey, that's how it seems to go. But can there be a wakefulness and receiving of all of life and an interest in whatever without grasping or pushing away? is the only interest when there's grasping, holding, wanting, attraction, or aversion. It can be very subtle, very subtle. So to condense that for you while you walk, with each step, with each eye contact, body contact, and again, subtle, each mind contact, is there greed and wanting or pushing away, not wanting? Is there receiving and kindness, non-holding, simplicity, wakeful? See for yourself moment by moment. And this framing for freedom is 
simply the absence of greed, hatred, and delusion. In a moment, not the whole pattern of my life, just in a moment. That's the exploration. So I'll see you in 25 minutes, which is 20 minutes after the hour. Is the fading of what binds the mind, of what grips the heart, is the fading of what racks the body nothing? Is the ending of fear just nothing? If we look at the worldly equivalent, we might ask, is the cessation of slavery nothing? Is getting out of debt nothing? Is recovering from an illness nothing? And yet somehow the mind can so easily go to feeling, believing, fearing that without my hunger, I'm nothing. There is nothing. Without greed and hatred, it's all blah. There's nothing. Can we imagine past this, and can we feel in actuality past this? Can we touch what it feels like when the body-mind is calm? and yet completely present, alert to the world, balanced in the world. Is the absence, the fading of emotional constriction nothing? Or perhaps maybe it leaves joy, not about something, but just, whoa, this is nice.
and let's talk about when there's no aversion, hatred, ill will pushing away at all. Let's talk about that. What if we let the world in to touch us, pleasant or unpleasant, to touch? What if we let people in, pleasant or unpleasant, because this mind, this body, is at peace and stable? That doesn't mean inviting in, let's say, people who are unsafe. You still function rationally. But what I'm saying is, in the absence of aversion and hatred, what's it like to be in the world? in the absence of a holding and a wanting and a possessing and protecting me and mine, my stuff, is that nothing? What would it be like to be in the world completely completely free of the holding and protecting of what's mine, my house, my money. And that, I'm not talking about something that, again, goes to this, any extreme beyond which is right where you are. So, for example, you're engaged in the world and someone comes to you and has a need. Maybe they need some uh, medical help, or maybe they need some um, food. They're, you know, they're, they don't have their next meal. And you see this, you know this. Now, if there's a holding and a grasping around me and mine, my possessions, my money, then naturally that holding will not yield a response in the moment of giving because the holding, the protecting, is so strong. But what if there's not that? How does the non-greed, the non-holding manifest when there's a need right in front of you? Does the hand open? Does the giving happen in the absence of the holding? 
feel into that yourself. The movement, the relational movement of the offer. And it's the same with the aversion and the absence of aversion. If someone comes to you and let's say they're lonely, hurt, emotionally hurt, And they turn to you for care, for kindness. But let's say in that moment, the reaction is aversive, like they're not pleasant to look at, or uh, you just feel agitated because other things are more important to you. And there's this like, just go away, pushing away. Will that action of kindness happen in that moment? Even though it's called for? Of course not. But now, not trying to add some layer, some gooey, sticky layer of what we would call love, let's just say in that moment that someone in in emotional need comes to you and there's no pushing away, there's no aversion, no ill will, no recoiling. Does the heart respond with kindness? Naturally, in the absence of the grasping and the gripping, So all these things that I'm saying now, they're all different ways of approaching a, 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 a really valuable, I would say, important aspect. As hunger diminishes, the tension and grasping and isolation the sense of self and protection and fear goes with it, right? Because that's what drives the fear. That's what drives the constant tension. We know this. And the simple absence and dropping away of the tension and fear and, 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 and self-absorption and so on, the natural response is that the bright mind and heart is in the world feeling a, a, a positive state of freedom, a positive state of actually pleasantness in the body. 
because all that tension is gone and still the body is sensitive. It's sensitive to joy, naturally, regardless of conditions. And it's sensitive to other people, to other beings, to the world. So the invitation now is to sense into this what you can actually touch as truth, right? Not just your idea about it. Really look for something that you can feel in the body that the mind really senses. of that which is beautiful, wholesome, pleasant, actually. Actually pleasurable. In this fading of hunger and non-manifesting in the moment of greed, hatred, and delusion. The most effective practice you can do now is to find it in this moment, but that's not always available. So you can also sense into it somewhere in your life and name that, but speak the truth, meaning don't name it until you feel it. Make it true now not the story. So this speaking the truth is really the crux of the practice. The truth here and now and the truth when something elsewhere in your life is presented here, it's here and now. Otherwise, don't speak it. No point, really. It's a radical practice that's being offered in a culture where notions of happiness are all built around getting and having. It's a radical thing. So let your, let's call it uh, spiritual intelligence developed through mindfulness, concentration, let it serve you now. Pause and relax. And I'd like to invite you to really give priority now to open. Be together in this. Really be together in this. Because that's where the here and now, where you can locate. And if what you locate is closure, that's okay because that can be met with pause, relax, accept, and how does it shift, right? You know how to do that. But if it's met with the sensing of the cessation and the beauty, the life in it, allow that as well. Don't be scared of that. 
or if you're scared, accept the fear. Before we continue this contemplation, I want to give you just a few minutes of simple internal practice in silence. So that we can connect even more fully with the quality of mindfulness. the quality of natural investigation that comes when mindfulness is bright, and the energy and vitality of practice that's awake and alive, to get in touch with that. To maybe even touch that aspect of meditative joy that rests in awareness itself. To get in touch with the tranquility To remember to give quiet attention to the settling and concentrating of the mind. To remember the balancing quality of equanimity. in your practice, here in this room, in this body-mind, now. So just enjoying this simplicity now of silence while you settle into the mindfulness and calm. The body is sitting.
The body is breathing, just breathing itself. And also, you could touch the sense of immediacy of this moment, a sense of now, very direct, intimate with experience, whatever the experience is of this mind, this body. It's just like this, now. familiar with awareness itself, just what it's like with the mind knowing the world, knowing this body, knowing this mind, knowing circumstance just like this. You know you're aware. And this quality of being present here and now is not dependent on whether this body or this mind is experiencing something pleasant or unpleasant. It's just like this. This is the texture of the moment. This is the practice, right here, just like this, resting in this awareness 
as you speak, as you listen, as you rest in silence. It's all the same practice. And as you do soon allow the speech and this listening to happen, I just offer this reminder a freedom that is like for the first time ever being free from debt. Like being freed from prison. Like being through and past a profound illness into health. And another example, having moved from anticipating something difficult, a difficult journey, a difficult task, and moved through it, and it's behind you. It's done. And there's rest now, and safety, and ease. And there's life. And the life is free. <coughs> the awareness is just like this. as you see fit, silence is also a suitable response. relaxing and opening into this between, this moment, together, as we go for the last exploration of unbinding. you can touch that we're not talking about 
a freedom that is divorced from life as it actually is. Freedom in receiving the thunder and the lightning. Freedom in receiving the pain and not being bound, yeah? We still have bodies. Life is still complex. Because it is. And so that points to what is a path that's like that. that cultivates that quality of life. And that, of course, is, I sincerely hope, what we're doing here in our small way, just like this. So you're invited to close with whatever words of observation, gratitude with your partner or partners and will join together in the circle. Thank you.